I want to read a scripture over us that weaves together the stories that you just heard. Uh, Jesus was speaking to an audience uh, not unlike us. They were those that didn't have a lot of power. They were those that were pushed to the margins. They were those who, in a lot of ways, had messed up and had no reason to assume that they, or presume that they had space in God's kingdom. And Jesus came and said, blessed are you, blessed are you. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they'll be called children of God. And so as Kenny lives into that, right, he's living into that, blessed are the peacemakers. You could probably find themes of all the Beatitudes with the stories that were shared. And so as he says and declares blessing, and if you want a whole teaching on that, Mike did it last week. Uh, Albany actually named the sermon for us. It was called The Good Life, Jesus' Version. Uh, She jotted it down in her notes, and so it uh, doubled up for our online sermon title as well. So uh, if you want to know what the good life is according to Jesus, you can go ahead and listen to that. Uh, But the people he looks out to immediately after saying, you're all blessed, you're all blessed, you're all blessed, with wonder in their eyes that they're involved in God's story, he says this, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? That's that tongue twister before, like Ron Burgundy should have used that one before he got on air, right? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. Looks at him again, locks eyes with the different friends or disciples, people that had leaned in to hear the good news message and says, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father who is in heaven. I'm going to walk through these images and give us a reflection. Jesus looks at them and says, you are the salt of the earth. Uh, If you grew up in a blue-collar community, this might have just meant normal people, that salt-of-the-earth kind of folks. Uh, It gets said a lot, but what in the world would Jesus have meant? There's a simple answer that we look at, that salt offers flavor. It's a seasoning. It's something that heightens your senses to be able to enjoy the experience that is already there. In the words of Gordon Ramsay, it will elevate your flavor. And that is a possibility. The presence of the community of God should elevate the flavor that is already present in the world that God created good. But in the ancient Near East or in the Roman times, it had a lot more to do with preservation. Uh, You didn't have a refrigerator, and if you didn't want your steak to go bad or your fish to go bad, you had to pack it with salt so that it would be preserved and be able to use later. Uh, It was something that invited you to enjoy something way longer than you ever would have been able to without its presence. There's also some research that says it was fertilizer. Weird, right? Right? You would say, wait, if you put salt in the ground, doesn't that kill stuff? Too much of it does. But in the ancient Near East, and even if you read in Luke 14, uh, it would say that salt isn't fit for anything, not even the manure pile. That way it just gets thrown out. And so it's this imagery that salt mixed in the soil produces life and leads to flourishing. Uh, Which of those is what Jesus meant? I don't know. And he probably left it vague like that so that you could take and say, what is salt used for in their context and how can the Christian community be that? I could tell you this much, it's not oppressive, it's not destructive, it's not belittling, it's not the enemy of society, but it's something that when present, these people who are committed to the ways of Jesus make their world look more like what God intended it to be. And so he looks out and says, that's your role in the story. You are salt. 
to enhance the flavor, to preserve, to lead to flourishing. That's our role in God's story. And then secondly, he says light. Uh, you are the light. You don't put a lamp underneath a bowl, duh, then it doesn't work. Uh, you don't hide it, but it's like a city set on a hill. Uh, and that would be an imagery of Jerusalem. What he's saying is, is that the reason that I'm calling you together as a community, I want you to be formed by God together. You come into one space together as these beacons of light. It's not individual. No part of this command is singular. But he's saying as a community, the witness that you have to the way of God and the life of the Spirit, the grace you've received, the kingdom being present, is meant to be good news to the world that in this imagery sits in dark, but the light cuts through it. In the text that Kaylee Ann read, I encourage you to go back. Your stories were beautiful, but it's going to keep us from going back there. Go to Isaiah 42 and see what that light did when the light to the nations shone. Isaiah actually gives some pretty specific things it does. And it's not just around lighting it up so people can see, but it's about liberation and freedom and healing. He says that's the kind of light that we're supposed to be, not just for ourselves, but for the sake of others. He says, so that others see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. We want our Missio communities and our Missio community as a whole, and we pray this over every church in the valley and every disciple-making community throughout the world, that we would be a people who are formed by God, our character shaped to look like Jesus, together as a community for the sake of the world and the pockets and places and networks and neighborhoods that we all live in. Another way to word that is to live for the good of others, but it doesn't end on them. It extends to glorifying God, right? He says, so they may see your good works, the things you do. They don't save you in case you're getting really skittish and you're like, oh goodness, good works. Like, yes, they matter. They don't matter to get you to be right with Jesus. They matter because your neighbor needs to see Jesus through the only physical representation he has, which is you. Uh, that allows your neighborhood to be a beacon of light in a dark space. And I love that I could share stories from across this room how your homes and your faithful witness in your work and the way you participate in your kids' sports teams and the way you go about living everyday, normal, mundane light casts Life casts light into the darkness that would exist. How many times your kind words act preservative in the well-being of someone else in the neighborhood? The people that you protect because God has protected you allows for a flourishing uh, life to be had for others. There's story after story after story of that taking place all throughout this room. And it's beautiful. But at the end of the day, it's not so any one name, any one community is made famous, save the name of Jesus. Because we truly believe he offers the best possible way to live. That if we're longing for freedom and forgiveness, he gives it and he grants it when we turn to him. Leslie Newbigin says, the gospel is not merely a communication of facts, but it is the communication of the new reality which has been inaugurated, big word meaning begun. Sometimes authors like to use a lot of syllables to say what we could have said simpler. In Jesus Christ, and which is to be exhibited in the life of the Christian community. Our shared life 
when we're gathered, is meant to act as a lighthouse. I grew up on the coast. The role of the lighthouse is to cut through the night to show the warnings and the dangers that exist as you come towards shore. And ships would look at the lighthouse, they'd be able to rightly orient, and they'd be drawn towards safe harbor. So when we gather together like this and we worship, that should serve as a big beacon of light because there are a lot of little lights all gathered together. And it should serve as that beautiful imagery of a city on a hill which cast light and people would know they were coming to the space they needed to be for safety, for refuge, for protection, for care. But then also as we scatter, uh, think of it more like flashlights. And that's why we exist our lives in missional communities, not just always gathering together, but so that each one of us is given a flashlight to go throughout the neighborhoods, the alleyways, the valleys, the different spaces where you live, work, play, where you learn, where you live normal everyday life and seek the shalom of those spaces. Because there's a space that you take your flashlight that I will never ever go. Uh, There's a space that you will go, a city you will go to, a plane seat that you will sit in, another mom or another dad that you will be next to, another neighbor that you will see, another friend that you will have the chance to speak good news to that somebody else in this room will never communicate to. And again, in that imagery, it's beautiful. It's those scattering lights that go throughout that also seek the well-being of the city and those two things together create a beautiful framework but if we have lamps if we've received the good news of the gospel the spirit fills us and we're called to be that salt and that light uh, we cannot go forward without remembering this without the spirit of God filling the church the oil for the lamp quickly runs dry as we're sent out into various spaces and places It is from a place of deep dependence on God. Uh, We do not have an everlasting battery that just exists in us that never dims if we're not being filled up. I'm not talking about whether or not you get to be with Jesus when you die. That's a completely different story. Your life in living it to the glory of God and the good of the others, if you're not being filled up by the Spirit, you'll run out of juice real quick. Uh, You'll run out of fuel for that lamp to be a light. But the promise of scripture, the promise of Jesus at the end of Matthew, when he calls them to say, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them, teaching them everything I've commanded you, he says what? And remember, I am with you to the very end of the age. This part of Matthew is read with that in light, that Jesus goes with us, filling us for the work he has for us. So if when you hear the call and the commission to be good news, wherever you're sent and scattered, when we gather together to be that preserving, life-giving, flourishing presence in a community, to see the world be able to grow and be a little bit more like what God intends it, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, know this, Jesus goes with you. You don't go alone. Uh, Jesus has given you a tribe, and you go with them. You don't go alone. And there are others who still need to experience the light and the salt to whom we go. Maybe we'd be filled for that work to continue the stories that Jesus has begun to tell in and through us so that generations from now there's other people gathered at tables that we may never see that their lineage runs through you being faithful to this call. They saw the good works. They glorified God. They got to enter into that story along with him. Would you pray with me? 
Jesus, you call us salt, you call us light. Would we be made the saltiest of salts and the most brilliant of light? Would we be willing to live lives that have that as our purpose, to be salt and light in a community that is shadowed and decaying? Not because there's much to say about what we want for this world, but because we believe that you are doing something new. And in the resurrection, you began something new. And we get to continue that on. And so, Jesus, would you continue to stir in us, shape us, make us faithful to these words that you spoke. We ask this in your name, Jesus, and by the power of your Holy Spirit. Amen.